so nice to be in church. So nice to see you here. Nice is a bit of a, a bit of a punzi word, but it, it's just it's sort of just. Uh, I, I feel nice this morning, but, and I just felt the the presence of God. I don't know what 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 you had this morning, but I just felt that Jesus was coming uh, close into uh, into my space this morning, and it's a nice feeling. I like it. Why don't you just take your seats this morning? Uh, it is it is really great to have uh, Mark and Roxanne back with us this morning. And Mark's been off for, for, he's had long service leave for a little while from church, but it's great to have him back. And um, uh, Clive's done one better with an eye patch, so make sure you go and poke him in the other eye. We have a service this morning in Alliston, so um, it's, it's really, really awesome to have uh, once a month to, to do church at Alliston and that uh, we have Pastor Kylie and Pastor Beth gone up there this morning and a couple of others to help them uh, run the service up there. So that's exciting and I'm glad that we are able to extend ourselves beyond and that's just the start of what God wants to do among us. Oh, I can see you all now. There is people in church this morning. I was speaking in hope just before. So I'm going to continue our series on end times or end days is what I've called it. So uh, the last couple of weeks we've looked at um, some other uh, elements of the end days. But I'm going to talk this morning about the tribulation. Who's ever heard of that? That's a fantastic subject, really encouraging. And also the book of life, which is very encouraging for us who believe in Jesus. So uh, my name is Rob. If you're new to church and you haven't seen me before, I'm the pastor of One Heart Church. And it is good to be here with you this morning and hopefully have a coffee with you after the service if you are new. Um, so continuing the series of end days, uh, th this is part three, and if you do want to hear the other uh, portions of this service, you can get them on our podcast, go to our website and look up um, something on there and you'll find where they are. So tribulation and the book of life. So I'm going to, I really, when, when we talk about end times things, um, I, I don't, I, I don't know no matter how much we think we know about it, we're only ever going to skim over the top of the, the fullness of what this is all about. So um, as you'll see this morning as I talk, there's, there's so much mystery uh, in the world according to the Word of God that God shows us part, but just because our limitations as people, we never can understand the full breadth of everything that God wants us to know. So... And I don't want to disappoint anyone this morning, but if you're after uh, definitive explanations of end times prophecy, then, then you're probably not going to get it this morning. But maybe we might just skim a little bit off the top for you and hopefully start a thought process and a spiritual awakening within you to help you understand uh, the times in which we live. So there is so much that we don't understand in the Word of God. So... If there's someone here and you understand the, the Word of God completely, raise your hand and then feel free to fly around the room and do a few laps for us because you can probably do that as well. But the Bible, that's just a joke there, the Bible is loaded with prophetic truth. Um, it talks about the end days, what, what it will be like, what we should expect. However, if you do any research into end days prophecy using the Bible, among believers, among Christians, you'll generate conflicting interpretations. 
So you might think, well, we're all using the same Bible. And by the way, I, I, I lost my Bible somewhere between home and here. I don't know where it is. And I feel a little bit like, where's my Bible? But if, it, if you use the Bible and get a group of Christians together and say, we're going to study end times together, you'll find that some people say it's going to be like this. Someone else will say it's going to be like this. And others will say it's going to be like this. You'll have all these kind of conflicting interpretations of what we read in the Bible. So... Um, 1 Corinthians 13 verse 9, if you have your Bibles, you can look this up or if you're taking notes, you can jot this down. And this is what the Apostle Paul says uh, about lots of things. He says, now our knowledge is partial and incomplete and even the gift of prophecy reveals only a part of the whole picture. Now, we see things imperfectly. All that I know is partial and incomplete. I'll read the, the, the full bit. I, I cut out a little bit there in verse 12. It says, Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. In the King James Version, it says, like looking through a dull window. But then, talking about when Jesus Christ returns, we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God knows, uh, now knows me completely and i just want to encourage you this morning despite what we don't know understand that jesus knows you and he wants you to know him that's probably the the, the most important part of of any sermon is that we help people to find jesus so prophecy gives us a part understanding and the, the your bible is packed full of prophetic illustrations so even if you think, well, I remember trying to understand the Bible and, and it, was, it was a little bit confusing, a little bit out there. And, and when you look at the Old Testament, especially the stories about the people of Israel and their wars and, and, and the other nations that they had to defeat, they're all signposts and that's a, that's a prophetic illustration of the world history. We're not going to go into all that this morning, but there's prophetic threads throughout all of those stories. So I'm going to introduce you... To, to some concepts that I hope prepare you for Jesus and that you can open up your thinking and expand yourself to, to want to go closer and be where God wants you to be. Because wherever you are right now, just picture yourself perhaps on a train track or somewhere um, in an airport or something, you're where you are right now and you can only see things from that limited perspective of your life experiences, um, uh, people around you, and you might think, well, that's just about it. And, and I want to try and encourage you today not to see yourself where you are today, but project forward, not just who you want to be in the future, but who God is wanting you to be. Because God has placed within every single person a potential, a, a, a purpose, and a a place to be, but that depends on whether you're going to prepare yourself today for God to use you. That's the best end time thing you can be thinking of is, God, help me to be ready for what you want me to be doing when you come back. So I'm going to introduce you to some, some pretty uh, strange little things this morning. The first word I want, to, want you to hear is eschatology. Eschatology, E-S-C-H-A-T-O-L-O-G-Y, eschatology. So that word, who loves this kind of stuff? I went to Bible college and you're thinking, oh, can't we use English? 
The stu- it means the study of end days. And this word comes from two Greek words. So I do sometimes refer to the Greek as people would think that I don't. But uh, it comes from two Greek words meaning um, last and study. So when we use that, that, that term, eschatology, we're, we're talking about the study of end days. And it comes from two Greek words and Con's not here so I can't check it with him. Um, because I didn't know how to pronounce those Greek words and where I looked it up, it was actually written in Greek and I can't read Greek words. But eschatology, I don't want to bore you with these fancy words here, but I think it's okay to go a little bit deep now and then, but if we go too deep, then I won't be able to dig myself back out. So we're just going to scratch a little bit. But eschatology is a major branch of study within Christian theology. Now there's another big word, theology. What's that mean? It means the study of God. And uh, I think people who, who try and study God too much lose the plot. So this is my own observation. But there are Bible scholars who have made this subject their life calling. And they can't always explain it or agree on certain points. That's the, the most amazing thing I find about this. But in Bible college, if you... If you uh, do Bible college or if you've done that, you don't call it end times or end days like I call it, you call it eschatology. So I'm trying to just uh, get on the same level as the Bible college people here. But we find there are many theories and interpretations and it's common to connect um, nations and religious systems to end time prophecy. But I would just say let's be cautious about those kind of interpretations. So, you know, people talk about end days, they write books and they'll say, well, the US, that means this, and the Russians, that, that's them over there, they're the baddies. Uh, the EU, what, they, they've got to be bad. Uh, um, uh, the UN, yeah, that, that's got to mean something. Um, and, and, and uh, you know, certain churches, uh, we won't name any, but the Catholics seem to get a lot of attention. That They, they mean this, uh, you know, and, and it's always negative. Um, and they, get, they get lots of mentions, all these things. But... We can read books, we can study, we can find all this sort of stuff out. But I want to, want to introduce you to a book this morning that is the most important book that you need to know about and that is called the Book of Life. So we're going to begin with a story when Jesus sent out 70 disciples out on a mission trip. And I just want to throw this plug in. Wouldn't it be fantastic if we could discover our mission that Jesus sends us on? So this particular day, Jesus uh, gathers some disciples together, 72 of them, and he says, I'm going to send you out together in, in groups of two, and I I've, I've want you to go and visit all these different places and, and um, tell them about me. So they go. So we're going to start with this story. Luke chapter 10, and it's found in, in verses 11 to 20. So Jesus sent them out with a message. This is the message that they're told. Um, the kingdom of God is near. And so they go, they go, they go around and, and they're doing the message. They, they go to all these different towns and places and they go, the kingdom of God is near. And everyone's like, yeah, wow, that's awesome. Hey, the kingdom of God is near. And, and that's, that's the main message that he told them to do. But they all come back from this, this mission trip and uh, verse 17 says, they came back to Jesus rejoicing. They're clicking their heels. They're, 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 they're excited. And they say this, even the demons obey us when we use your name. I mean, I don't know, Jesus probably said, I didn't tell you to cast out demons. I said to tell 
people that the end is near. So Jesus said this. Then Jesus responds. And he says, I knew you would love the power. That's not in the Bible. That's not what he said. That's, that's my, I'm using some license. But you know, could you imagine if Jesus said to the disciples, oh, I knew you would, you would love the power. I knew you would love casting out demons and healing sick people. I knew that. That's why I sent you guys. But this is what Jesus said. He's not, he's not concerned about, about the power that was working through them. He said this in Luke chapter 10, verse 20. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. And, you know, sometimes we can put ourselves down thinking, you know, I hear stories, people with, with great stories of how God used them and, and all these sorts of amazing things. And, and oh, gee, I, I, just, I just get tired going to the letterbox. And, and we think of all these things that, that, that we're not um, maybe uh, matching it with others around about us. But Jesus says, you know what, you don't have to worry about that. You just need to think about and, and be concerned about whether your name is registered in heaven, in the book of life. The important thing here is that you know Jesus and that Jesus knows you and that you're known in heaven. Wouldn't it be good at, uh, uh, um, if you could just imagine a conversation in heaven and they're saying, hey, there's, there's Derek. Hey, have you noticed Derek? And all the angels are going, yeah, I've noticed Derek. He's on that tractor again, but wow, what faith. He's just putting that seed in the ground. Let's bless him. Let's rain on his paddock. But the important thing is that we know Jesus and Jesus knows us. If you've ever had the experience of being somewhere where it's invitation only and you realize you didn't get an invitation and your name's not on the list, who hates that feeling when you go to a wedding and they've got, the, they've got every, all the tables and they've got the names and, and there's usually a board these days and you're, you're thinking, oh, Paulina, they put your names on the list. <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, look, I'm scanning the tables and I, think, I don't think we were invited to this part. It's a horrible feeling. when you realize that there's no table set for you. I did that once. I saw a tent with, with seafood on tables. And I thought, how, how awesome, how wonderful to showcase our region with, with, with free seafood. <laughs> so I went in the tent. I started eating, helped myself. <laughs> there were some prawns and there was, I, I had a few oysters. And I'm like, oh, some sashimi, and which is really, really awesome. And then it's like, I'm not supposed to be there. <laughs> it's not for me. I tell you what, it was very, very embarrassing. <laughs> I just hope, I, I think I need to disguise myself from now on. So if anyone there who saw me doesn't know it was me. Getting back to the book of life. There are many unexplainable elements to the end times, but this we can be sure, we, we can be sure and have ourselves ready and our name in the book. You know, the Bible, 
and, and particularly the words of Jesus, he spoke a lot about being ready for his return. It's something we don't talk about a lot in, in church these days, but this end days teaching I want to keep reminding you about is Jesus is returning for his church. And the main thing that Jesus kept telling everyone was make sure that you're ready. Make sure that you're ready. Make sure that your name's on the invitation. Make sure that you're ready. And it's so easy to get... I tell you, it's not, it's not so much a problem with people who are new to, to Christ, people who are new to church, because they're thinking, this is awesome, this is wonderful. I tell you, the, the, the hardest thing is to, is to try and convey to people who have grown up in church the, the, the treasure that Jesus Christ is. Because it's so easy to say, well, I grew up in this. I grew up in this environment. I take it all for granted. And somehow people think they've missed out in life because they grew up in church. You did miss out. I'm telling you, you missed out on brokenness. You missed out on, 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 on uh, losing all sorts of things that you, that, that, that you didn't need to lose. You need to say, thank you, mum and dad, for bringing me to church. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for, for putting me in a family where I grew up with the blessing of that. Sorry, I got distracted. The book of life. So many unexplained elements to the end times. But we've got to make sure our names are registered in heaven. Revelation 3 verse 5. It says, All who are victorious will be clothed in white. I will never erase their names from the book of life, but I will announce before my Father and his, and his angels that you are mine. What amazing thing. Jesus is talking about you. Jesus is talking about you. All who are victorious, I want you to be victorious. One Heart Church, I want us to be a victorious church. In Psalm 139, verse 16, just the start of it, it says, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. There's a good little story there. So, so these days we've seen lots of debates that have raged around the world and, uh, and, and the, 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 the next big one will be, will be about uh, uh, dealing with unborn children and, and, and how we should dispose of them if we feel like it. But you know what? When we take this scripture, what, Psalm 139, it says, you, you saw me before I was born. So does that, that answers the question, well, is an is a, is a unborn baby a, a human? Yes, it is, because God sees that baby. God sees that person well before they're born. There's other verses that talk about the same thing. But Jesus was telling the disciples to have their names in the book. Going back to the story in Luke. Jesus put your name in his book. If you've turned to, to the Lord and asked him to be your saviour and you've believed in him and you, you believe uh, that he is your saviour, then, then he put your name in the book. And it comes with a promise. Uh, if you look in Romans 5 verse 2, it says, Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. Undeserved privilege. That means that you don't deserve God's goodness to you. You don't deserve... Jesus being merciful to you. It's undeserved. I know when I, I, I sort of grew up in church and, and uh, um, took it all for granted, made some bad mistakes, and then when I, when I came back to God, I thought, well, now, God, I'm going to make you love me. I'm going I'm to I'm deserve your goodness. 
So I got on the, on, on the righteousness bike and I pedaled as hard as I could and I, I, and I'd be trying and trying, doing everything I could so that I could be good enough for God. It was undeserved. I didn't realize that. I went on a journey of discovering. Where are we up to? Now stand. Uh, uh, sorry. I'll, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. See, the way into the book is our faith in Jesus and our sins forgiven. Anyone can do that today. Maybe we should stop and just do a prayer. Why don't we just close our eyes right now? And you might be thinking, well, I've come into church today, but not really sure who God is or, or what this is all about. But if you'll believe in Jesus, that he's the son of God, and that he died and shed his blood to forgive your sin, and you're thinking, well, I know I'm a sinner. You can ask Jesus to forgive your sin this morning. And Jesus, you can say, take my life. I want to serve you. I want to give you my life. I want to turn my life over to you. Forgive me of my sins. Come and live in my heart. Be the, the Lord of my life. Just in this moment, if, if you're here and you're thinking, I, I, I want to get myself right with Jesus today, then you just say that personally to him right now and ask Jesus to, to make that change in your life. Ask Jesus to, to be your Lord and your Saviour today. And if you've prayed that prayer for the first time, then the Bible tells us you've passed from death to life and your name is recorded in heaven from this point on. So I want to encourage you, if you, if you have had that stirring today, then come and speak to me after the service. How's that? Had an altar call in the middle of church. You shouldn't do it then. But now we have... So for all of us who, who, who are Christians here this morning, those of you who have been on the journey for a long time, we often think, well, I've given my life to God and, and, and I've asked him to forgive all my sins. And then we have this fairy tale uh, ending where we think now we live happily ever after. Well, that, that is a fairy tale. But when you're a disciple of Jesus, you enter into a new spiritual reality where God's enemy makes you the target. Oh, that doesn't sound very fair. That doesn't sound very fun. How are we going to recruit people into this? But what you need to realize is through everything, Jesus is with you, that Jesus is on your side. So we're going to uh, go to the next phase of, of my message this morning called the tribulation. So uh, that word, uh, another, another great word of end times um, description, it's a state of great trouble or suffering. That, that's what it means. It means there's great trouble and great suffering for people or a dark day. It's a time period when the Antichrist rules the earth. If you want to know who he was, we looked at him, uh, I think, in, in part two of this series. But another point that the Bible scholars are divided on in their views is the tribulation. It's, it, it's bound to get a lot of great debate going. 
Um, you could probably even have a punch up in the Bible college room over this one. It'd be a, a really good subject to have a fight about. But some think it, it's already happened. Some say it's for the future. Others say it's right now. But some believe the church will be taken before the tribulation happens. Some people say in the middle of it. And others say Jesus will come back after it. So there's a lot of different descriptions and, and illustrations of, of why people might think either one of those uh, possibilities. But in Revelation 13 verse 10, it tells us this. This means that God's holy people must endure persecution. What do they must endure? Patiently and remain faithful. Now, I don't know how, that, how we describe where that fits in, but what I do know is what, what uh, the Bible says is we as believers will face persecution. And that doesn't mean that someone you know, asks you tough questions in the smoko room. And I used to think, wow, I'm under such persecution because I can't answer their questions that they're asking me about the Bible. It's not persecution. That's just not being ready for their questions. You don't get the car park that you wanted. That's not persecution. <laughs> and that's not the devil wrecking your day. Jesus describes a tribulation like this in Matthew 24, verses 21 and 22. For there will be greater anguish that, than at any other time since the world began. So we might be thinking, has, have we already been there? I don't think we've seen greater anguish than the world has ever seen yet. Although we've seen some horrible, horrible seasons in the life of the world. Um, and it will never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. So you can read these scriptures and you can decide on, on, on where the church stands in the, in the tribulation. The tribulation period will be horrific as a satanic, demonized government and false religion dominate the earth and seek to dominate people. Christians will become the number one target of persecution. So we need to know what we believe. We need to know who we believe. We need to know why we believe. And we also need to remain faithful to Jesus at whatever cost. In Revelation 7, verses 13 and 14, it says, Then one of the 24 elders asked me, Who are those who are clothed in white? Where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you are the one who knows. And then he said to me, These are the ones who died in the, in the great tribulation. They have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb and made them white. Now, we can argue either way about this time. You know, where's the church going to be in the tribulation? I, I, I used to love the idea of, well, Jesus is going to take the church out before, before the tribulation, so I'll be safe. I, I won't have to get my head cut off. I'm, I'm going I'm to go to heaven. Jesus is going to come back before the really tough time happens. That's, that's comforting for me. That's what I wanted to believe. But today, I, I realize that perhaps we'll be called to, to stand for Jesus when it's very uncool to stand for Jesus. Perhaps we'll have to stand for Jesus when it's illegal to stand for Jesus. Perhaps we'll have to stand for Jesus when it's illegal to own a Bible, when it's illegal to pray, when it's against the rules to, to say, well, what the Bible says is, 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 is wrong or right. We need to know what we believe and we, and we need to stand for Jesus.
whatever the cost. So we can argue either way about all this, when these times will be. But the main point to bear is to know Jesus and what you stand for when you're a believer. Going back to Revelation there, washed robes, that signifies our relationship with Jesus as Lord and his sacrifice that brought us forgiveness of our sins. So when we see, um, talks about those who've washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb, that's, that's the church. That's the believer who says, Jesus, I want you to take my life, take away, cleanse my, my sin, make me whole. My last verse for this morning is found in Matthew 24. And it says this, but the ones who endure to the end will be saved. And I need you to take that as a promise today. So you might think, but life is tough. You might think, but things seem so unfair. It says, if you endure to the end, you'll be saved. That's not talking about the saving of our physical selves. But it's a saving for eternity. It's a saving of our spirit life. Saving of our soul life to a better place, to an eternal place. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. So this morning I'd love to pray with you. Why don't we stand to our feet? And I know we do live in changing times. I know we do live in, 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 a, in a time where everything around us seems to be changing so quickly. You know, there are things that, that we can't do today that we could have done even three or four years ago because the climate has changed. But we need to keep our focus upon Jesus. We need to keep our heart connection attached to heaven. So I'm going to pray for people this morning that we may have boldness in these days. Boldness to stand for Jesus. I want to pray also that we have peace in our hearts so that we don't live in fear of the future but we live with peace saying Jesus I'm going to trust you I'm going to trust what your word says maybe maybe my church will be destroyed maybe my flesh will be destroyed maybe my body will be destroyed but I'm trusting for a heavenly eternity where I'm safe with God forever so we need to pray for peace in our hearts. That we will get a, also that we may have a revelation of God's glory in heaven and not be comfortable with the tempor temporary comforts of earth. So if you're here this morning and you just like prayer, for any of those things, why don't you just raise your hand up close. Let's just close our eyes, give people some um, uh, personal space this morning. But I know these are the moments where the Holy Spirit just wants to touch and minister to people today why don't you just raise your hands and i'll just love to pray so lord jesus you see these hands this morning lord pray i pray for boldness in these uncertain times i pray that we may have a boldness in spirit that doesn't depend upon our circumstance but is is because we have the holy ghost working through us with power i pray with that boldness lord god that we may that we may confront demonic things that we may confront sickness 
that we may confront every attack of the enemy and and take authority over that in the name of Jesus. I pray that boldness over people today. Lord, we pray for peace for those who are unsettled. We pray for peace for those who have fear. We pray for peace for those who who just have a have a, a sense of insecurity in their life. And Lord, I pray that that you'll become the rock, the anchor, the one that they can rely upon every single day. So I pray and I prophesy that over people in Jesus name today. And Lord, we just pray perhaps everyone here in this place just put your hands out just to receive something from from the Lord this morning to receive something from the Holy Spirit today why don't we just raise our hands right across this place say Lord we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit today we want to be more concerned about the power of the Holy Spirit in us than than the comforts of the world than our personal comfort of things that surround us Lord, we don't want to be satisfied with temporary things. We want to be satisfied with the spiritual. So God, I just prophesy over this church this morning that something supernatural will begin to take part in our lives. Something supernatural will begin to be on us and in us every single day. And I just thank you, Jesus, that you have a potential and a purpose and a plan for every single purpose, uh, for every single person here in this place. And so Lord, I just pray as I started my message this morning with you thinking about where you are today and where God is wanting to take you, I want you to start a journey as you leave church this morning to start saying, Jesus, will you take me to that place? Jesus, will you take me where you want me to be? Lord, help me to deal with it with my limited thinking, with my limited perspectives and help me to start seeing life as the way you see life. And I know that when you pray that prayer with faith, that God will take you from where you are and he'll start you on that journey and he's going to propel you into a destiny and a future that he has planned for you to prosper in. So I want to give you um, every confidence in God this morning that, that what you see is not the place where you have to stay. It's just a start point for something greater and something better. Thank you, Jesus. Let's give the Lord a great hand this morning because he is good.